All right. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in again to the Geek Garage podcast. My name is David Dassall, your host, and with me once again is Jared Rigsby. Hey, Jared. Hey, everybody. How are, how are you? I'm great, Good. as always. Excellent. Well, um, hopefully by now you have had a chance to listen to the uh, part one of uh, the sequel was better. Um, if you have not, I'm not exactly sure why you clicked on part two uh, before go, go you listen part one. Uh, yeah. b- go, before go you listen to part one. Uh, maybe it was a mistake, a slip of the finger. Um, but uh, yeah, I I would highly suggest uh, pausing it right here and then going to listen to part one first. Uh, it. Yep. It, it honestly doesn't matter. <laughs> Pause. And welcome back. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, well, um, I, I guess we, we really don't have to do uh, a whole lot of um, like, yeah, uh, previously on Lost. <laughs> previously. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just, uh, you know, uh, in, in uh, part one, we mainly covered, uh, you know, sci-fi and horror and, and stuff like that. Um uh, all instances where uh, it was, you know, most were objective, like the sequel was better. And then we covered a couple like, um, you know, Blade Runner and um, Mad Max and stuff like that, where, um, you know, we we felt like it was a little bit more subjective. You know, Jared had, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a like, yeah, I, I thought, uh, what was it, Blade Runner? You thought the original was a little bit better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, still yeah. thoroughly enjoyed the sequel. Yes. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, but with this, uh, with part two, we are actually going into, um, uh, we're going to start with a slew of comic book movies, yes. and then we will wrap it up with uh, some more like uh, action fantasy type stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this uh, part part two is going to be a lot of fun because um, I actually have a lot more to say about the movies that we have on the list for yeah. part two. Um, I think... Pretty much all the ones on this list, uh, I have seen multiple, if not thousands, of times. Yeah, twenty plus years of like solid comic book, right? Based movies. Yeah, uh, more than that. Even the Batman, you can go into Batman yeah. from the nineties and the yeah, Tim Burton Batman. Tim Burton Batman. Uh, <laughs> how about the uh, good, uh, good old Tim Burton Batman? It's you know, I think they even made a Nick Fury movie back in the nineties. Did they? Um, uh, with uh. What's his name from Baywatch? Uh, David uh, Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff with Hasselhoff as really? Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, because originally Nick Fury was white, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah in the yeah. comic books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a well, Punisher that's... movie with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, I I did not see that one. I, the only Punisher movie uh, aside from the the Netflix series uh, that I've seen is the one that they made in the I think it was the mid two thousands. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I forget that actor's name, but uh, that that's really the only punisher type thing that i've seen yeah um yeah it was all right yeah it it wasn't (laughs) anything fantastic yeah what we are here to talk about today is fantastic things fantastic yes nothing nothing bad uh mostly good um so yeah we'll uh, we'll just go ahead and get started uh do you want to uh introduce our first film for part two well, our first film for part two mm. i think is uh widely agreed this is kind of it to ease you in here um, yeah captain america winter the, soldier the winter soldier the winter soldier yes so much better than the first one yeah this uh this is definitely this definitely falls in the objective category when it comes to sequels that were better than the original yeah um we we aren't i'm at least i'm not saying that uh the original was bad in in any sense i, I thought it was a good movie yeah but in comparison to 
uh, the Winter Soldier, it, it doesn't hold a candle. Yeah, I, I feel like Winter Soldier, I mean, Marvel overall, Winter Soldier is one of the top Marvel oh, yeah, in this whole sure. ex- this MCU. Yeah. Um, which is a lot a lot of what we're pulling from. Um, of course, we'll pull from earlier than this current MCU mm-hmm. um, universe. But um, as far as like top movies on most people's list winter soldier really yeah really, it's really solidified in there yeah for sure um, it's um it, it was the i believe it was the first russo brothers movie um mm. in uh, in the mcu um universe uh, that was kind of redundant anyways um <laughs> yeah it, it was their their first take in filmmaking when it came to the mcu and this kind of set the i feel like it, it was a good way to set the tone for um, from everything uh, from this movie to um, Infinity War because um, mm. I feel like everything in between there was was pretty consistent um, as far as the, the themes and yeah. the overall you, feel. You had like a consistent feel of the first Iron Man movie, mm-hmm. I think, leading up to yeah. this. Um, all, the, all the Marvel universes, they, they really wanted to make sure they solidified this as a movie universe. Yeah. And I totally get why they did that, especially, you know, at first, because it's really kind of unprecedented what mm. they've what Marvel's accomplished yeah. in the past, you know, decade. Um, so... I think it's been a really interesting journey seeing their creative changes and how many different creative changes they've made that have worked. That yeah. Have panned out. Oh, for sure. And it's, and this is like a first instance of that being um, like an espionage, like a spy thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, you take Captain America. Um, you've already done his like Tony Stark style. Like, Oh, here I am. Introduction. Yeah. Uh-huh. I saved the world. You know, there's an infinity stone. Yep. And then wow, here we are. But <laughs> you get to Winter yeah. Soldier, and you're like, oh, wait, this whole secret agency, S.H.I.E.L.D., is like, there's something kind of askew about it. And you have, you know, HYDRA as a secret agency. Yeah. So you have these agency battles um, within, and like these, you know, these twists and turns. And then on top of that, the um, expanded action scenes, mm-hmm. um, which I think we've, we've talked about yeah, know, for in the sure. previous podcast, but... Yeah, um, one one of the reasons, um, and you've kind of touched, uh, you touched a little bit on this, um, but in my opinion, one of the reasons why um, the Winter Soldier ended up being so great was that up in up until this point, for the most part, all the movies in the MCU um, the, that weren't Avengers, um, all the you know superhero solo outings, um, you know your Iron Man, your uh, Incredible Hulk, which is kind of sort of not really relative relative to everything else. I mean, it, it's well, in the Tony MCU, Stark was in it, you know. Yeah, it, it kind of jump started, right? I think yeah. that was the second movie yeah. that was kind of like, oh, they're making a universe, right? Oh man, yeah. But um, everything, uh, uh, everything kind of leading up to this moment was very, you know, contained. It was very small scale. Mm. Um, it. it uh, it, they didn't have to worry about the the things that they have to worry about now, which is like you know they have so many uh, uh, superheroes now, so many Avengers mm-hmm. that like how do we answer the question of you know when we have a, a solo movie, um, wh- uh, you know why can't all the other Avengers come in and help? Like yeah. where where were they when <laughs> yeah. uh, when all this shit was going down? Yeah. And, and that's one of the harder uh, things to answer and. Um, uh, and this movie actually had the guts to um, pull something off uh, as large as, yeah, 
this whole big fucking thing called shield mm-hmm. it's basically all a lie and it's been run by this uh this crazy evil regime for the last <laughs> you know thousand years shield has been run by hydra right for a while yeah um and and just to have it all um it was just so such a large scale um uh, plot line to it that there's just so much going on yeah um and the idea was was so so big that uh, and the fact that they were able to um, to pull it off and not have to worry about like introducing a whole lot of other um, of the the superheroes or Avengers in into this movie for it to make sense mm-hmm. um, was was really a feat uh, that um, was fantastic. Yeah, and it was one of those that like. As a as a fan of comics, uh, I was never that into Captain America. Mm-hmm. He always kind of seemed uh, generic to yeah. me. Um, it's like, oh, he's a super soldier, so I, he's strong and he's fast, and uh, he's got that cool shield. Right. Um, but th- I think Winter Soldier was the movie that made me like change kind of my opinion on Captain America. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, cool. He's like, he he can do like Black Ops type stuff, which he does, you know, the opening. Yeah, and, that, and I think that really sets the tone for the movie overall. Yeah, is him, you know, infiltrating this ship of like these pirates and like uh, the martial arts man, mm-hmm. uh, having uh, George Saint Pierre um, actually play a villain. Yeah, who's like, you know, if if you're not familiar with um, he, UFC he's or MMA, MMA, yeah, yeah. he he's um he's like a, a champ, like a forgot what weight class he's he's up there in the weight class but uh he's yeah he's a pretty big dude incredible fighter yeah um, uh has a lot of really good um like striking like karate and, and that type of martial art um as you know which looks good on camera yeah you know, he's, he didn't do as much of his wrestling and groundwork obviously for captain america but he made like a good first like mini boss for uh yeah Cap to like go yeah, up against sure. and do like this really cool spin kick yeah, but um, they really upped the ante on their martial arts choreography, which really sold me mm-hmm. on the character and yeah. how like badass the character is, um, especially his fight scenes with the Winter Soldier. Yeah, which um, man, that was amazing that knife fight um oh god yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. they're they're really just throwing down it it comes down after this big action sequence this big chase scene and then it's just like them kind of going at it like you know mano a mano yeah a really cool um element yeah it was um uh, kind of you you touched on this a little bit but it's um it was very it was a lot of fun to to watch uh cap kind of um, this this was his first chance or our first look at him adapting to being um, in today's world. You know, coming yeah. out of frozen carbonite, um, right? And uh, and just being um, not in the 1940s anymore, yeah, or, or, or whatever. And uh, and trying to um, come to terms and grips with with so much with you know. Uh, being dead for you know 60 or 70 years or however long it was yeah um and you know uh, living in this time where you know he has that famous line in uh it was either avengers or maybe this one um where you know he says like um you know they when i woke up they told us that uh, we won the war but they didn't tell us what we lost or tell me what we lost and um, you know, that's, you know, that's a line that kind of resonates, especially through this movie is that, um, you know, he's just kind of figuring out how to be in this world. Yeah. Um, you know, he, there's, uh, the, uh, the Avengers, the first Avengers, 
um, that was in between, um, you know, uh, the his uh, his movie, the the original Captain America, and then this. Mm-hmm. So you know, you have him operating in um, today's modern society in the Avengers, but you really don't get a look at him. Um, like dealing with that. Yeah, like a close look under a magnifying glass of him figuring out how to operate and um, and just him kind of... um, The the whole thing with, uh, you know, what they're doing with S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, what Nick Fury is overseeing with the the helicarriers Mm -hmm. and um, uh, it it really gives you an idea as uh, how true North... um, captain america's moral compass yeah, is yeah uh like if i mean it's it's really it comes down to like would captain america agree with uh y- right. your choices and if not they're probably bad choices yeah yeah he's like wait is it's kind of like it's his turn it um i talked about this with like uh the original star wars trilogy being like uh one like fluid like story arc mm-hmm. um and this is kind of like the Captain America version of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Where, uh, like, his ideas of, of who he is and what he believes in get totally challenged in mm-hmm. this one. So yeah. he starts off as super patriotic. Um, the government is fighting the good fight during the World War II era. Right. Um, and, uh, and then you kind of move into like this modern era of governments and like espionage and this whole world of like so how, many how, secrets. how global politics have transformed right. and how governments actually operate. Yeah. And he's like disenfranchised by it. And he, and yeah. so he starts his journey that brings to civil war and that, you know, leads on into mm-hmm. in, infinity war yeah. where he's like this rogue, you know, character. He's yeah. like, I'm, I've, I've gone from, this uh, poster child for American patriotism to being hunted as essentially a terrorist right. <laughs> in the span of all of these movies. Yeah. And, uh, I, and mean, I think Winter Soldier was a pivotal point yeah. in that whole journey. They yeah. kind of set it up with the first Avengers mm-hmm. where he realizes that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been um, making weapons out of these, like, um, I think they made guns out of uh, the Destroyer from Thor. Okay. Like the t- technology, you know, the, the big mech suit, yeah. not mech suit, but like with the face cannon, okay. <laughs> like uh, the destroyer. Okay. They make guns out of that. And he's like, I, he's, you're supposed to destroy this kind of stuff. This right. is like really dangerous. And, yeah. and Nick Fury's all like, well, you know, we have to fight fire with fire when these threats come and blah, blah, blah. And right. So there's this real challenging moment in, in um, the first Avengers movie that gets paid off big in, mm-hmm. in Winter Soldier and really... Yeah tweaks when they like they it's like essentially they send his best friend after him you know yeah. that, and that's the winter soldier yeah and yeah and then um so as far as character arcs go it it was it had all of the right points um hitting and then the action was just blow me blew me away right like it was it was amazing fight scenes amazing uh action scenes yeah and like a thrilling storyline yeah kinda, and the like, introduction to a uh, falcon uh, yeah. anthony mackie's character and yeah. he's uh he's been uh, a true delight to have um <laughs> yeah. since then he's, he's cool <laughs> yeah he, um it's it him and hawkeye i i feel like are the most self-aware characters in the mcu right that like you know the, there's um you know that scene in uh, age of ultron where 
um, Hawkeye, he's like, look, everyone's flying around. They're, you know, they have special powers. I have a bow and arrow and I'm really good at, sh- at shooting it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, no, this really knows what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. The, there's no reason uh, that it makes sense for me to be here, but yeah. I'm on the team Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> I'm be, and I'm here. So there's, you know, I, I have to go out there and do my job or you get to do yours. I, yeah. I feel like, you know, Anthony Mackie, he's just, he kind of answers that same question, but with his own, you know, like flair like yeah i just do what he does just slower yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he's a he's a good like best friend character yeah i think as far as um yeah like for grounding sure. captain america especially in winter soldier yeah when like his whole world's falling apart everything he thinks he believes in he knows he's got you know um friends that he can he can trust yeah and i think that was a big yeah it was kind of it was definitely fun to see uh them become friends uh, and it, it makes a lot of sense for them to be friends where, um, you know, he, uh, they're both, uh, they're both veterans. They both served, um, obviously in different time periods. Um, yeah. so they, they both have to deal with, um, you know, the idea of, you know, serving in the armed forces, mm-hmm. um, but just on, on different levels, but they, they both have the same ideals when it comes to, um, what needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's part of what makes that relationship work and that relationship along with, um, uh, Cap's relationship with, um, Nat, um, yeah. really, uh, was a lot of fun to watch in that movie too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think, I mean, it was just a combination of so many factors that made, uh, that movie, Sorry if you hear my kid in the background. We're currently recording in uh, in my kitchen, and he just woke up from his nap, so he's, he's well, he banging on shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, this is another one of those movies where we could just talk about all day, but we don't want to because we have several other movies to get to. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess we'll, uh, unless you have any other thoughts, we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Uh, yeah, the next one, one we have on our list is Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, I guess it makes sense to segue from uh, from Winter Soldier to this. Um, you know, staying in the MCU. Uh, this uh, there's there's plenty of other um, MCU movies where the sequel you know was a, a step up in some form or fashion from the original, but Ragnarok it's it's one of those instances that I stated in part one where um, sometimes there's you know the the original with which comes out with you know that that's pretty good and then there might have been a sophomore slump yeah it's it's kind of overall viewed a, a, a thor um to the what was it the, the, the dark, dark world. world yeah um as it not being as great as it could have been yeah. uh, i really liked it i mean i like all the thor movies yeah but, i enjoyed it too. um but talking with a lot of people and prep for this episode um a lot of people did uh, seem to have some problems with it. Um, I understand that uh, Malekith wasn't like the strongest villain, um, it, which which could have had something to do with it. Um, but uh, yeah, this is uh, one of those examples where the third one in the franchise yeah. uh, really like helps. Out. Yeah, helps things come full circle. Um, a lot of that is uh, in credit to Taika Waititi's direction in this yeah. film. Um, his you know fresh look at at things uh, it's it's a great combination of Thor's old persona of you know like 
you know, that doth Dao, you know, yeah. uh, that, that form of speaking. That Shakespearean kind of. Yeah, yeah, the Thor. Shakespearean, um, you know, old Norse god way of speaking um, uh, combined with his, like, knowledge of Earth yeah. um, and the way that they speak on Earth. So it, it's, it, it was very funny to wa- and fun to watch yeah. um, him kind of have those two different characteristics about him. Yeah. I give a ton of credit to um, uh, James Gunn and the uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy franchise for um, opening, I think opening the door, the pathway for Thor to go in this direction. Yeah. Because it's like what, what James Gunn wanted to do with, with that series with um, Guardians of the Galaxy is very much inspired by old um, space opera. Mm-hmm. Um, type things like um, like um, uh, Flash Gordon, yeah, stuff like that, and that it's kind of like it's cheesy, but in a good way. But it, it's also like they have so much good um, like tech, like uh, computer uh, generated graphics that can make these like spacescapes like work out, but also give that old that that retro flair. Yeah, um, and they they pulled a lot. Um, from from that for Thor Ragnarok, yeah, for sure. On top of on top of that and that ridiculousness that they weren't sure was really going to pan out. I think in the first two, I don't mm-hmm. think they really knew what, like how audiences would digest this Thor world. Right? Yeah. He's like he's like a Norse god, but he's yeah. also like this outer space type dude. Yeah. And if you look at like the original Thor uh, graphic novels and comic books, you're like. Like, how is that going to translate uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and fall in line with all these other, like, worldly characters that, you know, that, that live on Earth? And now yeah. you're intru- introducing someone from outer space yeah, uh, of, or from another dimension. Yeah, another completely. Planet. Like, yeah, like, how how are you going to introduce that? And, yeah. and there was there was so much up in the air. Like, is this going to fall flat with our audiences? Mm-hmm. Are they going to embrace it? Yeah. Um, and I think for the most part, you know... Uh, fans of of comic books and um the the mcu so far they uh, embraced it for yeah. the most part yeah i think they realized they would embrace it after the first guardians of the galaxy was yeah. huge yeah you know sure. it was like man this is going to be one big ridiculous space opera movie and it's gonna have a lot of comedy in it and we're just gonna run with it and it blew out the box office yeah. you know and now they're like okay now we can do that with thor now we have a direction i think with thor yeah ragnarok and they took it there from previously it was more kind of like okay how are we gonna fit this thor guy into this iron man universe we've started like right. the very first thor movie was kind of around that range of mm-hmm. like you know i we want him in the iron man world you know but we uh He's obviously a Norse god from outer space. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I can see why they didn't really know what exactly to do with him. Though I think they did a decent enough job because mm-hmm. he was you know, he was all good in Avengers. Yeah. Uh, they, they worked with him for several movies up until uh, Ragnarok yeah. came out. So they kind of found a place for him. But I think Ragnarok was really... Yeah. They just um, took it there. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I spoke a little bit about... Um, when we were talking about the winter soldier about, you know, having to now solve the problem of, you know, we have all these uh, superheroes in existence now 
what do we do when, um, you know, we have the solo films and, uh, you know, we have battles on earth or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you know, where are all the other Avengers? Um, this helped, uh, having, um, Bruce Banner slash the Hulk in this movie helped solve that. And it, it paid off a big time because he was such a great addition to this movie. Um, you start grouping them together. Right. Um, yeah. Like dynamically they, they make such a a good pairing together because, you know, they, uh, they're, um, other than, you know, uh, Thor having an actual weapon, uh, their, their kind of go-to method is brute force. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're, they're both, uh, very much people that, yeah, they're two of the strongest Avengers yeah. too. So it's yeah, like, like physically, if, if you're gonna have like these these crazy outer space battles and like mm-hmm. these these villains that are just like larger than life, you have your two like big guys together, uh, like Hulk versus Fenrir. I think was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he just like landed. He's like. He yeah. roars and the Hulk roars and they, <laughs> they do their thing. I I love when he uh I forget what what he says to um to uh Valkyrie right before he jumps out of the uh, <laughs> uh out of the the ship and he's like uh he's like you were asking who uh I uh or saying I look familiar this is why yeah. <laughs> something to that effect and he just jumps out and poof, like just hits the, the fucking um. The uh, uh the bridge yeah, whatever the bridge. that substance was <laughs> yeah and just boom 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 and, and you're like wow it, it, is is Bruce okay like did he die <laughs> they had that sque- like squeaky sound effects yeah. like he landed yeah. on glass he was like right <laughs> like a, like, like a slide or something yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that was great yeah I uh, I was glad he wasn't dead after that yeah <laughs> yeah. And the Hulk had a lot more of a character, you know, they, they really, they started his, um, his character arc within these movies. So like between Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War and Infinity War part two, Hulk has his whole like character arc where him and Bruce Banner aren't like totally jiving together. Right. You know, you pick up where he's been Hulk for a really long time. Yeah. It almost loses his sense of identity as Bruce Banner. And then when he turns back to Bruce Banner, he doesn't want to be Hulk again until yeah. he's like forced to. And then that kind of carries on into infinity war where Hulk is like, no, nah, I don't want to come back out. Like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm good. You're like, what? No, you have to. Yeah. They need you. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, you want to move on to the next one? El Darko Naito. Yeah. Yes, the yes. Dark Knight. Uh, this, uh, this really, you know, you're, you're either, you think this is better than the original or you're wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it really yeah, is, this is a undisputed. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I've been looking forward to talking about this movie cause it, uh, it's really the only only stuff, and I mean, it's not part of the DCEU, mm-hmm. um, but it's really one of the very few DC movies um, or franchises that is actually good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they just, uh, so much of their stuff is unfortunately being, you know, swings and misses. Yeah. Um, but with this, uh, I think when I was researching, um, I told you this, that... Uh, some guy said, uh, you know, I, I, I loved uh, The Dark Knight so much I forgot that the first one existed, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which uh, is, is definitely understandable. And I can see that because, um, I mean, it doesn't totally forget um, everything that happened uh, yeah. in, in the original, but 
it's definitely a shift in, um, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say a little bit a shift in tone, but mostly like, I mean, it, it's just like another chapter in, in that as opposed to relying so much on what happened in, in the original. Yeah. Um, it's just more of like a, another chapter. It's, it's uh, adding layers yeah. um, to, of course, it's Nolan, you know, it's right. like, how do you compare Nolan's one movie to Nolan's other movie when he adds all these like complex layers of yeah. like philosophy and society yeah, and, and, plus, and character development. Plus it's just unfair to put anyone else against Chris Nolan yeah, he coming goes to make deep. a comic book movie. Yeah, yeah. And and that's like like I was talking about in the last ep- or last part part one of there's something cognitive there that's mixed with something visceral something like exciting action scenes Mm -hmm. with like something philosophical to think about yeah um like joker being this this dual nature with like batman of like not not really caring about society's laws but just acting on what they right they believe they want you know or or or, uh this, this anarchy um that the joker brings to the table and yeah. it's like it makes Batman like kind of question himself for sure and like his own methods yeah um there's there's so many um different uh incarnations of the Joker um and, and I'm not just speaking like you know there's the Joker in this movie and then there's Jack Nicholson's Joker and then aside from all the the movie Jokers there's you know all the comic book Jokers and the uh um and all that and you know you have like the this kind of criminal like manipulator joker that we have in the dark knight and then you have like uh, jared leto's joker which is like the classic mobster yeah um like crime boss type of joker um what what i like about this i mean it's it's undisputed that uh the fact that the joker is um a high part of what made the dark knight so successful it's such a great movie um and like you were just saying um, you made a good point with uh, he he's like he is a villain, but he speaks so much truth, like so much, quote unquote, evil truth yeah. with uh, what we all think as humans on a daily basis. Yeah. Like, you know, we uh, we all have to battle. Uh, we all have battles with our own demons. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's so much in life where. We're like, we're like, it, life would just be so much easier if we were just evil all the time and just <laughs> acted on on our terrible our impulses, impulses yeah. to to be selfish all yeah. the time, um, and uh, and the Joker's role in this movie uh, kind of it shines in that aspect where yeah. um, he's you see like how easy uh, life could be if you just did whatever the fuck you wanted to <laughs> yeah. all the time yeah. And, like, comparatively to, like, Ra's al Ghul, like, the first, the Batman Begins, where Ra's al Ghul has this ideology that he wants to impose to, he honestly, he wants to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. That That's kind of his driving factor. He might be misguided in that. Right. And, like, destroying all of Gotham, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and like, just tearing it down, to which Batman is like, no, I, I just can't let you just destroy this entire city. Right. Even if you think it would just wipe out, you know, crime or evil from the world. Yeah. Like, Joker's whole society, like, construct is just turns out on its head. It's like, I'm just, I'm this agent of chaos that's trying to prove uh, that people have a darker, you know, people will act on their darker side. And, and, you know, Batman's job is to kind of, like, 
wrangle things in and like then he starts questioning himself he's mm-hmm. like do i am i doing this right and he's like, right do i need to keep doing this and he starts thinking about you know you know what happens that you know does harvey dent take the the reins like do i give this back to society mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden harvey dent gets thrown into the anarchy right like who do you trust like or harvey dent there's just so many layers of of questions that the joker just like just ignites by just pure anarchy yeah and uh, the fire element they always had that that element how the intro comes in with yeah. like blue fire yeah and then yeah. the joker is like this agent of fire like everything is yeah blo- he makes things blow up he catches the money on fire uh he scars the side of two faces mm-hmm. face turning him into a villain blows up the hospital blows up the hospital kills kills their girlfriend yeah you know, <laughs> i guess batman and harvey's uh shared girlfriend or what the love interest of both of them so many explosions so many explosions but it's like it's a I'm part a, of this anarchy it's like i'm a big fan of uh things that are cheap like gunpowder and gasoline <laughs> yeah. i don't do a very good joker impression but that that scene where you know yeah. the the mobsters come in and he's like standing on top of that giant fucking pile of money. Yeah. Um. And he's got whatever uh, that guy's name was at the at the very top. Yeah. And he like just jumps and slides down the pile of money. <laughs> yeah. And um. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, I'm I'm not a sick freak. I'm just a, a guy like trying to yeah you know, live my life and uh you know money doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Like, exactly. Um. He's like, I'm not a corrupted. Uh villain like some of these other gangsters are but i'm just this is what happens when you don't care about anything right and you just want to watch like like alfred says to watch the world burn um another fire kind of element yeah in there yeah there is uh there is a lot of um elements of of uh, fire and explosions and destruction yeah um the the whole idea of um trying to tear down uh, the old world yeah. in order to make way for a new one yeah. uh, and what it takes to do that. And if the price is worth um, the price of doing that, if it's worth what you're getting in return. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it, it's one of those, definitely one of those movies like we talked about in part one that uh, so many has so many levels, like as you know, far as like the ph- philosophical aspects and yeah. stuff, it's, just so much that you can talk about with yeah. this. It's yeah. it's intense. Um, and then there was that uh, we were talking about it earlier before we started recording the um, the fan theory that I think it was uh, Patton Oswalt uh, had, oh, yeah. where um, uh, he thought that the Joker was like ex ex military and he was like an interrogator. Yeah. Um, and uh, all his uh, points were proven like throughout these uh, clips that they showed the, the video is out there somewhere. You it's just little Easter Google eggs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just like Easter egg after Easter egg after Easter egg. You're just like, Holy shit. Like this could yeah. actually be like a, a, a true fan theory. Yeah. Like you have the scene where he's, um, you know, the lights come on in the interrogation room uh, w- with the Joker and you see um, Batman standing right behind him. Yeah. And, you know, you have the Joker like, oh, you don't start with the head. You, you know, you get him, uh, you get, get the him guy all fuzzy. All, uh, all fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's plenty of other uh, moments where, um, you know, he's interacting with like the cops or whatever. And um, you can it really seems like he has experience 
uh, on the other end of things, yeah. Yeah. like trying to get answers out of people. And he, it's almost, uh, I guess the argument, uh, that's, that's made aside from, um, trying to prove this point is that, um, you know, he, he was um yes he he could have been an interrogator but um he himself uh was uh, subject to the whole uh, you either um die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become oh, the yeah, villain yeah. and he's almost subject to that where uh he um he would have been an interrogator and now he lived long enough to see himself basically become crazy yeah with the amount like you know you have to train yourself to think like these crazy a-holes um <laughs> yeah. and he had to do that so much yeah uh that now he's he's become he corrupted himself yeah yeah he's um, like has no no more ideology yeah. just like oh not to mention his experience with like like guns and mm-hmm. explosives yeah. especially yeah like, for sure like that's like that takes some high high level training to be that good with yeah. explosives and yeah how for he sure. sets up those traps and yeah um i haven't heard a whole lot of fan theories aside from this one for um this trilogy uh but it's definitely one of the the best fan theories of any movie uh, franchise that I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it makes it's one. That, yeah. It like, it's a lot of fun to talk about. And at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, it's not confirmed, yeah. uh, but it's so much fun to talk about because it just makes so much sense. Like well, you said, that's another element of this Joker that makes him so special is he doesn't necessarily have a backstory. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all just like, yeah, you're just thrown into it. And, and that's like a fear element, which is a big, I mean, it's a big part of all of these, uh, Chris Nolan, Batman movies. You know, the first one had a uh, scarecrow with the fear yeah. toxin, you know, Batman, uh, notoriously does the bat thing to scare, uh, villains. You know, he uses fear as a weapon. So yeah. fear is like this big, uh, element of Batman. And then Joker, like the whole fact that a he's a clown and clowns have that that fear element to them and b that he uh you don't know where he comes from he's like his level of insanity makes him very mysterious yeah and like he has these moments where he's like uh like look at me and he's like all of a sudden he's like ah then he just turns and there's like something dark inside yeah. you're like oh man like he shows you his his true darkness there right. for a second uh, and you're like oh that's unnerving you know yeah, it's, it's it creepy is... so he had this really great element of mystery and fear that i think made him um such a great villain cuz yeah. you're scared of him to some degree yeah you know? absolutely yeah he like brings that out Oh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut this one off because uh, we're we're getting into territory let's, of let's life. Let's talk about the social implications of the dark night. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, well, I, I think we've we've hit a a bunch of good uh, points with this one, so I I'd, I'd say it's uh, fair to move on to the next one, um, and and we'll. Uh, uh, I mean, it's kind of back with Marvel, but outside of the MCU, uh, we're going to talk about Spider-Man 2, the yes. uh, Tobey Maguire uh, uh, Spider-Man. Bringing back our old buddy Sam Raimi. Yeah, from, uh, Sam Raimi. <laughs> from Evil Dead. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I he... Uh, I I was a, a a pretty big fan of this original Spider-Man outing. Mm-hmm. I I even like Spider-Man three. I uh, all the the, oh, the, the no. things that uh, everyone <laughs> has a, a problem with. Like now, I'm like, yeah, I can see why that's you know 
a poor choice or kind of silly to include in the movie. But I, at, at the time when I saw it, I, I still you know, yeah. had a good time watching yeah. it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I do feel like um, Spider-Man two is, is the strongest out of yeah. um, the, the three, because uh, we were talking about this earlier. Um, uh, I, I think it was before we started recording, but one of, um, one of the, the things um, when it comes to superhero movies, especially when um, the sequel is better, is the whole the origin story is out of the way. Yeah. Um, and this is a, a clear case of that. Yeah. Is, you know, they, they had to spend, uh, I don't know, it was maybe 30, 45 minutes uh, from the first Spider-Man, yep. you know, kind of going through his origin story. Yeah. So it, it the re- spider had to bite him. Right. He had to like notice the powers were starting to Uncle happen. Uncle Ben had to die. All Uncle that Ben had to die. All that <clears throat> shit. And um and in this one uh in the, the second one, you know, all that stuff was out of the way. They can go right into um, you know, his relationship with Doc Ock and um, you know, how uh Life it, as Spider Man. Do what? Like life as Spider Man. Yeah. You know, he intro he's like, Well I'm just doing my Spider Man work and right on the side. Yeah, and then there was the the whole thing, um was it in Spider-Man 2 when he he ditches um, his suit for a little while and, and doesn't do Spider-Man? Or, or was that 3 where he decides to... I think it was 2 when he stops being Spider-Man for, um, you know, like 10 or 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think a, a, a lot of uh, uh, what made this movie great just like um the dark knight was was the villain and how um you know the uh the whole idea of yeah the the villain actually kind of has some good points yeah yeah he's a strong um like multifaceted villain yeah like back to the new like marvel mcu right you've had we've seen a lot of those lately um and people react so well to them because yeah. it's not like this good versus evil kind of construct. You have more complexity right. to your yeah. characters and you can flesh them out and they're more interesting. Yeah. So the drama between them is more interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which just... is what I think they dropped the ball on, on number three. Yeah. Um, for me, my opinion on that, it's like, it's mainly venom, right? Mm-hmm. So venom is Spider-Man's probably biggest nemesis, uh, nemesis yeah. and the most popular nemesis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you make him kind of scrawny and rawr, 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 like right. <laughs> it wasn't that and one. For Grace. And you're like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving. Like no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they kind of crammed him in there because they had the Sandman villain, yeah. which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, that that was the crux of that movie was trying to fit what like 15 villains right, in right, in, in yeah. one movie where Spider-Man is the only uh, uh, protagonist. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of goes it kind of goes back to why Marvel is doing so much better than DC universe mm-hmm. is DC I, I feel like tried to jump to um like groupings of these heroes. They try yeah. to jump to Suicide Squad, Justice League. They try to do these like multiple heroes all in the same and you don't have enough time to yeah. flesh out each of them. Yeah, for As sure. where Marvel, they had the Avengers, but they fleshed out Iron Man, uh, Hulk captain america thor they all had their own like yeah. entire movies to flesh them out before they came together and then you could kind of understand them as a team yeah. better you don't have to introduce all of them at the same time yeah for sure. <laughs> like origin story origin story origin story uh something happens like right yeah ta-da! like flashy explosions yeah um there's more character development there um, yeah 
and I went on that rant and forgot what my original point was. But it doesn't um, matter. Doesn't matter. No. <laughs> oh, that's why uh, Spider-Man three didn't work so much. The original three. Right. Um, they kind of crammed one of the most, one of the biggest villains in the Spider-Man universe into kind of like a subplot. Yeah, or like, an uh, afterthought. Yeah, yeah. like uh, that. Yeah, they they definitely didn't um, give give Venom his due uh, in 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 that movie. They they should have they should have just left him out like that's what i think yeah, yeah. Um, they they were yeah, it really, really didn't make sense or make for, him the only villain yeah like the whole plot around the symbiote yeah and, just yeah. uh i mean you i guess you could have di- uh, ditched um sandman and he, they might have been able to get away with having venom mm-hmm. and um was it hobgoblin yeah uh yeah, uh, James James Franco. Yeah, James uh, Franco. But James. Yeah, um, yeah, he had an interesting uh, uh, story arc in um, in that uh, trilogy. Yeah, just uh, seeing him in the first one versus like the third one. Yeah, like just this uh, this stark contrast. And yeah, it was character. a little weird. Him as uh, do you really like recall him as? As Hobgoblin, he's. Uh, um, I mean, like it's it's been a while since I've seen yeah. uh, seen those movies. Uh, I I need to go back and visit them. Yeah. But it's like I have a clear image in my head of what Green Goblin mm-hmm. looked like, what Doctor Octopus looked yeah. like. But then, like, I feel like since they kind of crammed Hobgoblin in there, yeah, he just, he just looks like James Franco on a hoverboard. Really, <laughs> that's yeah. really all I can say for him. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there he is. You know, yeah, yeah, sure. Um. So. Um, yeah, uh, I guess we've uh, we've touched you know quite a bit on um, Spider-Man Two or um, you know enough, so we can um, push forward. Um, let's see, let's. Uh, uh, I, I think that that pretty much does it for uh, superhero movies. Um, I mean, there's get a little uh, fantasy action going. Yeah, on there's in here. Uh, there's plenty of other uh, superhero movies that. Where you know the sequel was a little bit better than the original, yeah. but uh, like uh, you know, our other choices in these episodes, we're gonna, for the sake of brevity, just uh, not as just, thrilling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Feel like, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's uh, let's kick it into some uh, some fantasy and then some action. Uh, we got uh, up next the uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh yeah. Uh, so, I actually do not have. A favorite, I don't think, of the the Harry Potter film franchise. I definitely mm. have a favorite book. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I have a favorite film. I I do. Uh, I I wrote a blog post a couple months ago. Yeah. About um the uh, the best Harry Potter movie. Yeah. And uh, it, it was it was it was kind of fun to write because I was like uh I, I kind of went through all these uh, points and I was like yeah the uh. It's it's really hard to pick one, and it's all subjective. And at the end, I was like, "Ha, gotcha!" It was the Order of the Phoenix all <laughs> the whole time, the whole time. Um, it was one of the mean teacher, right? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not as familiar with yeah, the Harry Potter verse. Um, yeah, as I probably well, should be. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's all right. I I'm a, a huge Harry Potter yeah. nerd, and yeah. I I grew up reading the books. I which is kind of weird, like my um. I mean, I didn't grow up in like a strict Catholic household, mm-hmm. but my dad, like, you know, we, we went to church every Sunday yeah. and, uh, we followed, uh, the Catholic teachings pretty, pretty closely. And, right. you know, with a lot of those families, uh, in the, uh, 
the late 90s and 2000s where you know Harry Potter and similar stuff was coming out a lot of families didn't allow their their kids yeah. to either watch the movies or read the books yeah. and I was a little surprised that my dad let me read them yeah but at the same time it was, it was like yeah whatever like yeah. It, I mean I, I was kind of getting to the I, I was about to be in high school um, when the books started coming out so um, I was kind of at that age yeah. anyways um so the reason why uh, I, I think I found Prisoner of Azkaban on a couple of lists uh, when doing research as far as being um, the the best uh, or, or like, quote unquote, the sequel as being better. Um, of course, it's one of those instances where it's not necessarily the sequel. It's, you know, kind of a few films in where it, it finally hits its stride. And, and that's definitely the case with this. Yeah. Is, um, yeah. you know, you have the first two, which were directed by Chris Columbus. And you know his thing is really? you know, he, he did yeah he did like uh, the Home Chris Alone. Columbus yeah I'm just <laughs> like Christopher like, Columbus yeah like the the guy that discovered the, <laughs> like the United quotes. States <laughs> yeah quote unquote discovered right yeah um uh he you know Chris Columbus he directed yeah. uh, like Home Alone and didn't he do the Goonies and um I'm actually not I know the name. I'm not super yeah, he with he was he was big in like the the late '80s, mid mid yeah. to late '80s and '90s and stuff, in uh, directing stuff. Um, but his, his thing was all like you know lovey dovey family film type stuff, yeah. where you know the good guy always wins. Right. So uh, and the first two books already kind of have that feel uh-huh. to it, where um, it's you know they're not too dark. They're they're pretty you know easygoing and fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it was. Uh, Chris Columbus was very well suited to to direct those first two movies. Yeah. But with the third one, it kind of starts to take a dark turn where um, there's some tr- time travel involved, and mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, people or things start dying, and um, you're introduced to to more characters in the universe. Um, you know, you're introduced to um, to Sirius Black. Uh, so, um, you know, I think that's just as a side note, I think that's a really fascinating aspect of Harry Potter that, uh, most people don't think about are the dark kind of edges. Yeah. Um, it's a chill, it's definitely a children's book. It's Mm -hmm. for children, but there's like enough of a darkness to it that really is captivating, um, with the whole fantasy element, because of course there's going to be dark parts to like a fantasy, you know, you have like a world where monsters and witches and stuff like that exist. Yeah. Of course there's going to be some scary stuff. And then that little that little splash of scary I think really brings even like kids in like yeah. oh man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like no, that. it's it's almost like a little mini intro like um like good introductory uh for them to like the horror and sci-fi genre yeah um instead of like just throwing them in and letting them watch like hard rated r well, movies. yeah yeah well, it's like the old like grim fairy tales always yeah. had this element of horror to yeah them that are like and you then know, they kids, were like whitewashed and bleached <laughs> yeah. uh by uh by disney yeah where you know the the good people win instead yeah. of uh you know like the, a lot of songs you know uh, but even yeah. in disney movies they were kind of spookier before you know the older disney movies had smokier elements for sure uh yeah i mean overall uh i mean we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this one but uh yeah i wanted to talk about it a little bit because i felt like um it was the first turn um in in the franchise where you kind of saw what was to come because um yeah it was 
it was like, yeah, uh, the, there was a Dark Lord, and he might return. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're like, uh, now we have to actually think about, um, you know, the the possibility of, uh, of the the reality of that, you know, be, becoming a thing. Yeah. Um, and I thought that uh, it was handled really well, um, thanks to um, Alfonso Cuaron mm-hmm. from uh, uh, he. What he? I think he did. Uh, I think he did Gravity. Um, oh yeah. The Sandra Bullock movie. I I wasn't a huge fan, but he's done a, a few other things that were really good. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. It's definitely not my favorite movie. Like I said, I, I don't even know if I have a favorite. If I had to name one, it might be. Uh, it might be Order of the Phoenix, or it might be. Um, uh, Half Blood Prince. Yeah, uh, since the Half Blood Prince. I really like those book. first those thir- first three that were kind yeah. of like ad- they're almost episodic. Yeah, they, they had a connecting storyline, but they right. would have that their but, own little adventures yeah. and mysteries, and then everything else was pretty closely tied together, like yeah. one long continuous story. Yeah, which which was cool uh, in its own right, but yeah, uh, yeah like you were saying, it, it was uh, those those first few books before. The introdu- introduction of Tom Riddle and Voldemort. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that really were... kind of took off into that storyline. Like, yeah. oh, he's coming. Right. He's still coming. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I, like I said, I just want to spend a little time on that. Uh, you want to introduce our next movie? Oh, yeah. Good old Lord of the Rings. Loader, man. Loader. L O T R. Two Towers. We really wanted to touch on a couple of things with, with Lord of the Rings. Um, First of all, the two towers. This might be one of those that's like a, a split, you know, um, as far as what people, most people will think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people got bored um, of the action. Like Lord of the Rings, the two towers definitely had those people are stupid. Much more action, right? Yeah. And, um, to me, that was an element that, for me, made it. Uh, a better movie mm-hmm. um, and I'll, I'll touch on the differences between the source material because um, I'm also a fan of the source material and yeah. recognize that it's very different from the movie yeah this is an um, appropriate movie uh, for you to talk about because unlike me uh, I haven't read any of the books yeah uh, so yeah it's it's appropriate for you to kind of take the lead on so this one. the books have a lot more to do with the characters um, it covers war mm-hmm. and it covers the um like uh the effects of war and and it has kind of like it has like a deeper um has a lot of deeper meanings um he right. tolkien is really talking about society at the time he was he fought in world war one um he actually hated war but also recognized um a need for it at times yeah. and that's kind of what lord of the rings really covered um a lot of people got the idea since the movies came out that Tolkien was actually a very like super pro war, mm-hmm. um, and that's not necessarily the case. Okay. Even though he believes in a, a just like the the possibility of a just war, like a good versus evil type yeah. scenario, he um, like his books have a lot more that are kind of like the after effects of war, like you know um, the orakai, the goblins are are definitely like monsters. You know you view them as the other, but. Anyways, that, that can go into like a deep rabbit hole um, to where the, the two towers in the movie was about half war. Like, 
was mm-hmm. like mostly them battling. And, yeah. Um, I just I I can see why they did that. Um, as far as the movie franchise goes, because you have like, you have an audience. Um, that wants to see action, happening. right? And then for in the Fellowship, you had this build up of like, oh man, this big army is coming, and we're for all sure. we're all in a lot of trouble because mm-hmm. Dark Lord has this dark army. And now you have part two, and you're like, well, we actually have to show some of these um, that Tolkien, some of these battle scenes that Tolkien essentially skipped over. He's like, it happened, and then right. like you're in the aftermath yeah. type thing. Um, and of course. It, it makes it makes for better viewing because you're like, oh man, they're fighting monsters, and yeah. you have essentially a movie of them fighting an army of monsters. But like I said before, some people even got like bored. They're like, okay, I'm just watching Viggo Mortensen swing his sword around and just <laughs> you have to yeah, cut the, down dudes the, left and right. <laughs> yeah, the whole build up to the battle uh, at Helm's Deep and the actual battle at yeah. Helm's Deep was pretty crazy intense yeah um and it wasn't short-lived yeah. like uh they the battle was pretty intricate and pretty long yeah and, and those orcs were scary and it's another one of those visceral moments right that, uh it, it's entertaining because you have these like first of all i i really appreciated the pro- the use of prosthetics mm-hmm. where they could have just skipped and used cgi yeah for all this this army of orcs i'm and a I, huge I think fan of practical effects yeah. and and costumes and makeup versus uh cg yeah so uh, on, on a big level i was i was appreciative of that yeah um of course you know it's not even like i, I hate to even use it as like an intellectual like discussion of mm-hmm. like oh of course Lord of the Rings the Two Towers was a, a pivotal movement you know, <laughs> in cinema it was it was an action movie you know but yeah. I I just love dumb action sometimes yeah <laughs> and that's what no it's great and, and it hit those points and like the banter between Gimli and um uh, and Legolas yeah thanks honey uh, <laughs> my wife is walking around and uh, she just needs to like stand here and when I blank on character names she yells them to me. <laughs> yeah pass you a note <laughs> that would, I'm, I mean she could be on all my episodes uh, but she uh, so I don't want to you know say uh, undersell her her geekiness because sometimes she's she one-ups me in, in the geeky department yeah uh, but yeah anyways um yeah uh uh, two towers uh, fantastic i i'm a huge fan of the fellowship um yeah and, same here uh, a, a lot of people find that as like one of the weakest films but i really like it because it's you know like it has like the the really happy like opening and beginning where you know you see um uh you know gandalf like coming into the shire and you know him uh meeting up with um, Frodo and Bilbo yeah. again, and um, everything's happy for a little while. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, it, you kind of having you, this little pan flute in the background. Yeah, so you know it's right. happy. <laughs> it's happy time. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, the score to that movie is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, it's it's very, uh, very good, noteworthy. Um, I really don't. What has Peter Jackson done since then that's been notable? Has he has he done anything? Uh, um, after I believe Lord of the Rings that that was like oh, he's done something. He's he's got something coming out. I think. He, oh, of course he did the Hobbit. Um, oh the yeah, Hobbit. that's right. Um, I'm sorry, I 
yeah. which is all right, I guess. Yeah, it, it was you know, fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they really needed to break it into three movies. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, it makes sense if you want to make a lot of money. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, in, in the same way, those were like just they're action movies, you know, yeah. they were like fantasy action um it was fun for that reason. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of... It's uh, hard to compare to the source material. Yeah, it was cool to have them basically give Smaug his own movie. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he had, like, a big part in, in yeah, the second one. Yeah, and um, the original Hobbit book is really, like... Honestly, you would make a better like TV series than mm-hmm. um, like a movie series. I mean, wasn't that it was much more episodic. Wasn't that originally what it was? Like, I mean, yeah. other than the book was, it was like a, a made for TV movie. Well, or it a was, series it or was something? a serial. So he wrote for, um, I believe it was like a magazine, some kind of publication where he wrote like pieces of the adventure, uh, kind of like a weekly basis. Mm. And then he kind of found like a, a nice end point for it and just like slap it all together okay. as uh, the Hobbit. And then he went into like Lord of the Rings and all of okay. that, you know, really expanded. All because he's a linguist. Yeah. <laughs> like this is where a lot of this stuff comes from, all these weird names. He just, uh, half of the thing he loved to do is just make up uh, like the el- Elvish language and, and yeah. stuff like that. He, and that's what he did. And he made a world out of it. Yeah. On a, a similar note, since we just discussed a little bit of Harry Potter, um, I didn't realize how much of the, uh, especially the mainly the character names, but a lot of uh, the other uh, lore and stuff in there too, was heavily influenced by uh, astrology um, and astronomy. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we went to a the one of the way late playdates at the. Um, uh, at the Adventure Science Center, mm-hmm. and uh, it was Harry Potter themed, and uh, Lindsay's furiously writing something. I don't understand why she can't just tell me. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the Hobbit was um, can't to be a children's story. Mint. Meant, oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, much, much more for children. Yeah, yeah. That uh, the movie's not so much. No. Yeah, it, I mean it's a little bit more, a little bit more violent. Yeah, and, and scary. <laughs> more violent. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't. Do Do you have any other thoughts on um the the two towers uh, that you'd like to discuss um, before we move on? Honestly, not super. I just uh, I thought it'd be a fun um, addition. Okay. Uh, just because it is an action movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's what I, and you know what? Sometimes I just like watching uh, dudes kill monsters with swords. You know? Right. That's that's what it was all about. Yeah. Um, speaking of action, we I, I we really only have like one or two. Um, there are quite a few action movies where the the sequel or one down the line. Um, other than the original was better, uh, but I only wrote down one, um, and it is Skyfall from the Daniel Craig outing of well, James, uh, James Bond. Bond. Yeah. Um, that uh, I, I know this is probably blasphemy, but Daniel Craig's uh, outing as James Bond is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more uh, visceral, like um, a little bit more. Um, I mean, there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, uh, I agree. And meant- you you see uh, a lot of flaws in him. Yeah. Um, it, not uh, not just in the combat, but just you know His in character. general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you can see um, see the fact that he's just recently um starting with Casino Royale. Um, you know, 
you get the feeling that he's not too fresh off the heels of becoming a, a double agent. Yeah. Um, cause you know, he's, he's still getting the crap beaten out of him. And yeah, at the, the whole beginning chase scene of the, uh, the, the black dude that knows all the parkour yeah. tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, we're not really here to talk about Casino Royale. We're, um, <laughs> well, they all have that that vibe to them comparatively to uh, like old James Bond, and and you know the whole thing with James Bond is they keep refreshing him for a new era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like you had uh, like the '90s had the Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, James he was Bond like was the, completely the different. Like, uh, yeah, he, he, he was very like um, he he didn't really have. Uh, it wasn't necessarily like a rapey vibe, even by today's standards. Oh, no. um, but it, it he was definitely more of like the ladies' man type of James yeah. Bond. Yeah, and he had a lot of good action. Like he had that '90s action. Yeah, you know, which is a little bit different. Yeah, think, it was like the, that calm, cool, and collect action. Yeah, where like, like even at his most sweaty, he still looks like right, very gentlemanly and dapper. <laughs> yeah. um, like he, he just always exuded like this typical uh pierce brosnan yeah. like gq appearance yep um you know there's that the scene in um i think it was the third one of of that franchise where um he's it's the the beginning before the the intro credits um where his little uh thing um that he's it was almost like that boat slash submarine yeah. the one person submarine goes underwater and it's about to reemerge and and you see him like completely underwater and he's like straightening out his tie <laughs> yeah um anyways we're not really uh gotten kind of off base we're talking about daniel K. craig three yes <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking about skyfall um I uh, I definitely think that this is one of those objective scenarios where like yes uh um the uh, Casino Royale was great um I uh, I personally love Casino Royale a lot uh Quantum of Solace was okay it wasn't fantastic but mm-hmm. it wasn't bad yeah. um but Skyfall just did so many favors to the franchise and kind of solidified it in um, in its history of of being a part of the 007 franchise yeah. um, as a whole. Uh, you know, and a lot of that, I, I feel, uh, it has to do with, um, uh, I think it was Sam Mendez's direction and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the big, like, sweeping shots of... Um, you know Scotland when they were shooting there, and like the whole battle scene um, at the end at uh, James James Bond's um, you know old orphanage yep. where gotta he, get back to his roots. Yeah, where uh, he uh, reunites with um, him and M. They they come and they reunite with uh, you know the I don't know he wasn't the groundskeeper. He, he might have been the operator of the mm, yeah um, yeah the, uh, orphanage like an but, old mentor yeah but he, uh, apparently he still resides there or something or still is kind of like a groundskeeper or whatever. Um, so there was all that and then plus uh, Javier Bardem's uh, part as a villain is just so damn creepy. Yeah, like he's yeah. so weird and, and like there's. I don't know if it was confirmed or not. It was more of a fan theory that he was like super gay. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, there was that part where, you know, you're first introduced to him and he has that big scene where it's, it's very, it's a little Tarantino esque where, you know, it, it's a static shot and you just kind of watch action happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's kind of coming down off of an elevator, I think, or, or stairs 
and he's just slowly walking up to where James Bond has been like captured um, and he's kind of like strapped to a chair and he starts like rubbing his leg <laughs> like in, the, in this weird seductive manner and yeah. I'm like alright guy what <laughs> like not not in a homophobic way but I'm just like what is going on here <laughs> are you gonna rape James Bond Don't yeah rape James Bond. yeah like <laughs> is, is this about to happen no <laughs> um but yeah, overall, just uh, so many things considered uh, in, in this movie, it, it just ended up being a great, um, a great movie, and and kind of a, I know I know it wasn't the the last of the the Daniel Craig um, outing, but um, in uh, in my opinion, it was the best, yeah, uh, by far, yeah. So. Um, we had a couple other like uh, honorable mentions. Um, John Wick Two. Uh, we um, it, it's it was definitely a worthy successor to um the the first one. Yeah, John Wick is one of those where the first one would have been perfect as a standalone. Yeah, like and it, it was almost built that way. Right. But it was so good um as far as the action choreography. That you're just like, yeah, go ahead, expand that shit. Yeah, like, yeah, just see. make more, because we'll all go yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah, I will keep seeing these. Right. Like, these are crazy. But, yeah. like, uh, I think, like you said, they did a really good job of stylizing it mm-hmm. um, in, in the second one. And it really holds up. Yeah. Um, uh, Ruby Rose was a really cool um, antagonist mm-hmm. in that. Um uh, Common was a really great character yeah. at it, and he was kind of like he was kind of somewhere in between. Yeah, uh, one of the obviously one of the risks that uh, you know they take in um, in movies like this, where uh, the first one was was so contained and there wasn't a whole lot of moving parts. It was just you know these guys who they. Uh, they didn't like what he had to say at the gas station, so they hunted him down right. and uh, broke into his house and killed his dog. Well, the first um, one, the hilarious thing about, well, I guess not hilarious, but like... You, <laughs> it's funny, they killed his dog. Yeah, when you as an audience member see these these villainous dudes uh, kill, kill the dude's puppy with a baseball bat. Reek. <laughs> yeah, I see reek. And you're like... Yes, John, kill them all. You ha- you have the moral high ground to right. kill so many people. Right. <laughs> You're like, what? But it works. It works. Yeah, You're just for like, sure. yeah, no mercy. Get them all. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, like I was saying, it's um the first one was so contained there there wasn't a whole lot of moving parts and uh the risk that, you know, they they took in the second one in making that whole John Wick world a little bit bigger introducing mm-hmm. you to the um, you know the whole idea of this hotel in existence where they can go and check in as assassins and they have like this this unspoken unwritten or the, uh, this you know recognized code that um you know you don't come and get violent up in this hotel right. <laughs> yeah. you you use it to kind of arrange business yeah um and yeah we're all assassins and we might be here to kill each other but nothing uh no killing is gonna go down in here yeah um and it is one of those uh one of the more interesting things about um uh, these movies is this whole uh underworld yeah uh, and like how it's structured yeah and um kind of goes into that um that like action assassin movie um motif or um another word i was looking for um trope is uh the whole um, what am I trying to uh, think here? Uh, say, um, the the whole 
like a, a a code among thieves. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, almost where um, you know we're we're all bad guys, or right. you know we're, we're we're all killers. Yeah. But we all live by some sort of code. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's what keeps us different from like true evil people. <laughs> right, <laughs> or, yeah. Or, you know, yeah, like, right. It makes them. It gives them a certain sense of likability. Yeah. Even though you know what they do. Right. You know, it's like how do you make an assassin super likable? Yeah. You know, I'll kill people if you pay me. Right. But I'm still really likable. Yeah. It's like so, uh, Rick and Morty. <laughs> like, there we go. Up to kill people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. Uh, John Wick, Chapter 2, that was pretty good. Hopefully, Chapter 3 will be just as good. Um, yeah. In yeah. Chapter 3, we learn everyone in the entire world is an assassin. <laughs> and it's yes. just an assassin Every, world. Yeah. It just everyone. <laughs> they Truman showed him and thought, made him oh. think he was the only one. Right. Um, you know, we, we also had down, uh, Toy Story 2, kinda, uh, we didn't really hit on too much, uh, kid or family-friendly or animated stuff here, we, uh, it, animated stuff didn't, um, fall high on the list of, um, f- uh, movie genres that, um, that came up when we were doing our research, mm-hmm. um, but we did want to make note of Toy Story 2, it's, it kind of falls in between, um, like a, a worthy successor or a um, an honorable mention and being part of uh, yeah the sequel is better because I mean you, it's it's hard to beat the original like Toy Story 3 um, is fantastic yeah um, and I'll never not cry uh, <laughs> right. if, uh, during Toy Story 3 at the end uh, <laughs> but Toy Story 2 definitely it, it took what Toy Story 1 had going for it and really upped the ante and, um, you know, reinstilled these notions of, um, you know, uh, uh, the familial stuff. Yeah. Like, um, you know, how, like, the, the people that are close to you is what matters most in life. Yeah. Um, with the whole, uh, you know, introduction of, um, what's her name? The, uh, Andy's counterpart, the girl, the, the cowgirl, uh, I don't, I I suck at names. Um, but uh, yeah, I forget too. Yeah, that's right there with you. That's what I'm talking about. But with her whole thing of um, you know, still being bitter from uh being left behind. Yeah. Um, and uh, have you heard that fan theory about her uh being uh, her owner was Andy's mom? Yes, you yes, heard that? Yeah. That that fan theory um uh, there's a I, lot of Toy Story fan yeah, theories. Yeah, for sure. That, like, um it connects with other Most of them are and... super depressing. <laughs> of course, uh, like but, Story Story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I mean it, at, at its heart it is kind of a, a sad franchise. I mean, you know, with some positive and uplifting moments, yeah, but you yeah, know, there yeah. are plenty of sad moments. Um but yeah, the, I, I don't want to tr- uh, try and quote the whole fan theory. Um, for fear of, you know, fucking it up, but it goes along the lines of, you know, uh, she was, um, Andy's mom's uh, doll when she was a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, and apparently that helps explain, um, the, that the cowboy hats or cowgirl hats, however you want to put it, uh, that she gives Andy, Mm -hmm. um, in the first movie. Yeah. Um, cause like she just had it lying around. It wasn't like a gift that, uh, he got uh-huh. uh, for his birthday. I believe it, it was just a hat that she had. Um, and that was one of like the, the benchmarks in that, um, fan theory was, uh, it was actually like the girl version of yeah. the cowboy hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah uh yeah that was a i kind of had that on the list um we had a couple others but i think for the most part we've we've talked about um you know some yeah for round two of the sequel was better yeah <laughs> that's my what, this is my radio voice <laughs> was the sequel of this podcast better <laughs> oh, there you go you tell us <laughs> no really n- tell me i i need validation yes say hi yeah like uh, us follow us yeah well uh thank you so much for listening uh thank you for uh coming back and listening to the podcast after our uh hiatus uh, i greatly appreciate it sorry it's been um uh, so choppy uh, but like i said in uh part one the plan is to have more episodes on a more frequent basis um to have some cool guests come on and if uh you the listeners have any ideas for episodes um uh, or topics that would make for good episodes um i'd love to hear them i'd also uh love to have you on if you want to uh if if you'd like to come on and discuss something uh i'm always looking for new guests to come on the show um and on that note um jared Thank you so much for being on uh, this episode, the previous uh, episode, part one, and episode uh, 21, where we talked about Infinity War. Oh, yeah. Uh, Good time. Happy to do it. Yeah, for sure. Good time. Um, Cool. Well, uh, we are signing off now. We will uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Bye-bye.